Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Can we give Jesus a hand for all his mighty works? I'm going to ask if you would, it's such a joy and an honor today uh, to be able to introduce to you one last time for the week. We're truly honored, Brother Curry, that you uh, made the time to stop in West Virginia to make a deposit in us. We're forever forever grateful to you, sir. We, we respect and honor the anointing on your life and what God has called you to do. Uh, thank you so much for your investment this week. Bethesda, would you stand to your feet and welcome to the platform the General Overseer of John G. Lake Ministries, Curry Blake. Come on, let's show him some love today. be seated. Let me make sure. There we go. All right. Thank you. And we know that you are simply recognizing hopefully what's little left of me, but mostly what's of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, not going to keep you long this morning, but I am going to share some things. And I was really just asking God, even last night, this morning, you know, what? 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 What do I need to share? And a couple of things you will see as we go on, and I can see almost like three different parts, I guess, to it. Uh, we've had a great time here this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have really enjoyed it. I, uh, I've enjoyed being here, and it's always our pleasure to be here. Uh, we, we love coming here, and uh, we love you guys, and we appreciate y'all, and we look forward to coming back again and being with you at another time. And so, amen. Well, yeah. How how many of you were here last night? Let me see your hands. Amen. All right. Good deal. Well, then you might remember that I was telling you the story about the young man in Indonesia that was curled up on the bed when I went in, and then we left and went, and then I told you about uh, the service that we had there. If you remember, I didn't finish that story. (laughs) And... Uh, this morning, right when I woke up, the Holy Spirit said, you need to finish that story. <laughs> I said, okay, I will. And so, um, <clears throat> do you remember the part where I said that I was in the service later walking through and I was holding the baby? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> afterward, they came to us and told us about this young man. And we were able to figure out that it was exactly when I was holding that baby. And this young man, his back was, or his face was to the wall. His back was out toward the outside of the bed. His mother was sitting in the chair. And when I sat down next to him, laid my hands on him, commanded, saw nothing. I mean, other than, you know, some little bit of manifestation. Let's put it that way a little bit. But there was no movement or anything. But then when I left, went over to the service, well, I was there, and remember, I'd seen nothing that would convince me that anything was different, per se. 
And his mother, they said, was sitting there and just kind of rocking forward and crying. And because, you know, when I left, they, they thought he was going to, while I was there, they thought he was going to jump up and everything be good. And when I left, they felt like, well, that was our last hope and it didn't happen. <clears throat> so they still sat there for a while. And so within about an hour and a half, it was about, a, I guess about an hour and a half later, uh, maybe, well, actually a little bit more than that because they had worship service before. So probably closer to about two, two hours or so. All of a sudden, his mother's sitting there and all of a sudden he's just kind of straightened out, rolled over, looked at his mom, sat up, <clears throat> looked at her and just started talking to her. But it said, what's going on? He didn't even know he'd been like that. He had, he had no knowledge of it. So they got him dressed and they got him around thing and they couldn't get him to the service because they couldn't get him inside there. If they'd have told who he was, I'm sure they'd have brought him in. But the thing is this, and I guess this is also why the Holy Spirit wouldn't bring this out. <clears throat> I didn't see anything, but I still had to believe. Right. And I left there having believed. Yeah. Now I was still believing, but there comes a point where you have to settle it. And if you don't settle it, it'll drag on for as long as you let it drag on. Because you have to remember, when Jesus hung on that cross, the last thing he said is, it is finished. I've heard all kinds of different things about what was finished, but I know this. The Bible says that God sent his word and healed them. It says that like the rain comes down from heaven, so does God's word come down. And he said, and it will not return unto him void. That means the word cannot return to God, and, and it actually says until it has accomplished what he sent it to do and accomplished all of his pleasure, all of God's pleasure. So we know that Jesus is the word. <clears throat> he was the word made flesh. He was sent from God. So the word was sent from heaven. He sent his word. He healed them. And then he returned to God. Is that right? Yeah. So when the word made flesh returned to God, that means that it had to have accomplished all that it was sent to do and all God's will. So when he said it is finished, he was saying, as far as I can tell by the New Testament, he was saying, I have accomplished everything you wanted done. So that means it's done. Now, like we even said last night, we came to deliver the victory. We live in the victory. The victory is accomplished. Okay, that's why you never see, because everything Jesus did, he did, and get this, he did on credit. Because he had not yet, if you read Matthew chapter 8, it says that what he, he healed them all so that it would be fulfilled what the prophet Isaiah said, that he bore our infirmities, our sicknesses, our, de- our diseases. So if he did that, he said Isaiah had to be fulfilled. Jesus was fulfilling it. And so the fulfillment of what Jesus came to do was heal them all. Because it says he healed them all. So what Jesus came to do initially, he came to earth to accomplish total healing for every person on this earth. He didn't leave some undone. See, that's what we have to realize. What God is doing now is the echo of what Jesus did on the cross. It is fulfilled. It is done. So now we are seeing that. We believe it. And that's how you get saved. When you get saved, you believe what he did back then. 
and that it was for you. Healing's the same thing. Healing is exactly the same in that sense. Now, the difference is now Jesus is supposed to have an army of people delivering that healing for people that don't even believe. Now, think about that. So, and that's why, you see, when Jesus was on the earth, he fulfilled God's will. Basically, Jesus came and he told, at one time, he said, who do men say that I am? And they said all the, you know, different people. But even Philip at one point says, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long? And yet you say, show us the Father? He said, don't you know the Father's in me and I'm in the Father? So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is that right? So Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, and into verse 2, it actually says that Jesus is the express image of God. That means the exact perfect representation. That means that Jesus left nothing out of the character of God unrevealed to us. He revealed all of God's will, his attitude, his personality. He revealed that to us. And then he said, Father, I have glorified your name. Well, the only name he ever used on earth for for his father was father. So the idea that he is a father also tells us his nature and character. What would a father do? Especially a father who was love. And so what we see in Jesus, Jesus said, I'm doing what I see my father do. Well, what do you see his father do? Heal them all. Isn't that right? And And here's the other thing. You never see Jesus praying for anyone. You never see him pray, Father, if it be thy will, heal this person. The only time if it be thy will is actually in, somewhat in the Bible is when Jesus was in the garden. And then he was talking about, Lord, if it be your will, not my will, but your will be done. That's as close as it comes. But we've built it into something else many times. But when he says, if it be thy will, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will, which proves that Jesus had his own will, but it was submitted to the will of God. Okay, And it was in union with the will of God. And now, why did Jesus say that? Why did he say, take this cup from me? Nevertheless, if it be thy will. What is he saying? He, he was right there at the, you know, almost on the cross. And he said, this ain't going to be fun. This ain't, if there's any other way we could do this, we'll do what? Redeem mankind. See, Jesus, the only time Jesus said anything about God's will in that sense of of the sense of, okay, if there's another way, let's do that. But not my will, but your will be done was in relation to his redeeming man. Okay, you get that? You will never be in that position. Therefore, it is never, get this, in relation to healing, in relation to salvation, in relation to anything that Jesus bore in his atonement. It It is never God's will, or you will never be in the position to say, if it be thy will. Amen. 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 Now, now, here's the problem. Some people don't know God's will. If you don't know God's will, then you're going to put an if in there. But when you know his will, what that does is it gives you the backbone to keep pushing through, keep going after it, keep going after it. You have to settle it and say, this is the way it will be because this is God's will. If there is any wiggle room in there, the devil will make sure he points it out to you and take you down that path. 
You have to be able to set yourself to say, this is the will of God, this is the way it will be, and I will not stop until it is so. Amen? Now, God has no one on this earth except Jesus' body to enforce God's will. But if we don't know the book, if we don't know the will of God, and the book is his will, if we don't know that, then we will always be guessing and we will never have the strength to stand and any good logic or reasoning, natural wisdom, earthly wisdom, devilish wisdom is what the Bible says, will make its way into you and then you start making excuses. Right? Because let me tell you, all faith is, is living. Okay, you remember when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are, a lot of people talk about heaven. Heaven's, you can find talk about even the kingdom of heaven. So it's all good. I'm not, I'm not saying there ain't a heaven. All right, please understand. But a lot of people say, okay, when we get to heaven, okay, you can say that too. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Got no problem with that. But what, when we talk about faith, okay, heaven is the kingdom of God, right? God rules in heaven. Can we say that? And there's nobody else ruling there. Now, faith is living here like you're living there. That's all faith is. That's a simple definition. In other words, how will you live in heaven? You're going to live healed. You're going to have all your needs met. You're not going to want for anything. There's going to be no sorrow, no tears, and all that, all that stuff. That's the way it is in heaven. Faith is living that way here. Bottom line. Faith is not questioning. See, that's one of the things that we got to realize because people don't realize. You know, the Bible says very clearly that we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says very clearly, and you know all things. You say, well, I don't know all things. No, you do. You just don't know you know them. Why? Because they're in here. And you have not yet accessed that to bring it into having your mind renewed. Because to have your mind renewed, you have to have it renewed to the Word of God. When it's renewed to the Word of God, then everything of the mind of Christ starts to flow out because you know the parameters, you know the principles, you know his thoughts, his, his logical process. Because spiritual logic is not natural logic. Spiritual logic says if you want to prosper, man, you know, just get all you can no matter who it hurts. Uh, natural logic says that. Spiritual logic says, oh, uh, I, I want to prosper so I can help others, so I'm going to sow. I'm going to give. See, that makes no sense. Right? Not, from a, not from the natural way of thinking about things. But you have to realize you are here not just as people who are trying to make it to heaven and hoping you hold on long enough to get there. You are here as ambassadors. You are here as representatives of Jesus Christ. You are here in his stead. And because of that, you have to speak the way he speaks. Now, if I am his representative, now see, you have to understand, when I'm here like this, I'm his representative speaking for him to you. Now, most people, not most, many, have the idea that I'm here to represent you before God. Well, if that were true, I'd be doing this. But I'm not doing that. I'm facing you. What does that mean? I'm here to represent him. Now, if I represent him, who is he? He is God. He is God and Jesus being God in the flesh. And I'm to represent the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Right. 
So I represent him. So if I'm going to represent him, I cannot lean to my own understanding. Do you understand? If I'm going to represent him, I can only say what he has or would say. How do I know what he would say? It would be in keeping with what he has said. He cannot say something different than what he has said. He will not alter the thing that has gone out of his mouth. You got that? And Jesus shows us the fullness of the Father. Yeah, but the Old Testament, stop right there, did not show us the fullness of the Father. It showed us the failure of man to walk with God. The New Testament shows us and gives us an example of the man, Christ Jesus, who was divine in nature but laid down his divinity and his access to divinity so that he could show us what a man filled with the Spirit of God in right relationship with God could walk like and look like. So if we are here, it is to walk like him, talk like him, act like him, be him to the people that need our help. So we're not here to go, oh, God, this is so pitiful. No, we're here to say, today's a day. Today's a day. Amen? See, people mistake sympathy for compassion. See, sympathy says, oh, you poor thing. I wish there was something I could do. Compassion says, oh, you poor thing. Let me help. But you have to know that you can help. To know that, you have to know that you have the power to help. To have the power to help means that you have the Holy Spirit in you because he is the power of the helper. And so he will help you in any situation there. So when you lay hands on a sick, he's helping by supplying the power and doing whatever. But you have to be the mouthpiece. And you have to set the standard. If you waver, he will waver. Why? Because he has to. He cannot go beyond what you will let him do through you. If that were true, if he could do, listen carefully, if God could do anything, he would have have got you saved a lot, lot, way before you did. He was waiting on you to agree with him so he could get you saved. You understand that? So we have to realize that we are here to represent him, to speak for him. That means that, as I said, I can only say what he has said. See, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, every time he met up with the devil, what did he say? It is written. It is written. You know why? Because he knew that word. See, we got too many people speaking for Jesus that don't know his word. And they, they misrepresent him. And so if I'm going to stand here, see, I cannot stand here, okay, since I don't represent you in, that this case, in, in this situation, I represent God. He sent me here to speak to you. That's what I'm doing. I'm representing him. I'm representing him through Jesus Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So based on that, then if I speak to you, I cannot, now I will speak in human words, but I can't say what humans would say. Why? Because I'm representing God. So I have to speak for God. So I can only say what God would say, which means you're not going to hear things that man would say. Does that make sense? So because I represent him, I can only say what he has said or would say or is in keeping with what he has said. And that means I can't come to you and talk to you from human logic because there is a thing in humanity that when things get so bad, 
And this is proven. Uh, Victor Frankl wrote about this in the search for significance. And he wrote about it and he went back. He was a survivor of the Holocaust. And he wrote about what happened in the concentration camps. And he said it got to a place where we kept crying out and saying, why? Why? Because humans, until we have the why, we don't have closure. You know, you, you, can, you can bury a person and not have closure. Why? Because you're saying, why? You can have all kinds of things go on in your life. You can be mistreated. You can be lied about. You can be persecuted. You can be, you know, all the things even that Paul went through. And, and you know what? And if, and if you had the voice of God in your ear going, uh, now, this is why this is happening. Then you could strengthen your, you know, spine and go, all right. Let's go, right? But when you're not hearing anything and all that stuff's going on and all you've tried to do is help, all you've tried to do is lay down your life and help people and, and, and do what you believe is right. When that happens and then all of a sudden you're betrayed, stabbed in the back, lied about, talked about, all that kind of stuff, at that point, you, you just go till. Why? Because that defense thing in you, that human thing, has to know why. Why would somebody do this? I've just tried to help them. Why would they do that? Okay, now, that's a human characteristic. Now, think about this. What do you think God feels? Because we have the same characteristics as he does, his, but the difference is this. Ours are finite, his are infinite. So when you love, remember, he loves infinitely more than you do. See? And when we say, why would somebody do this? Now, he knows the answer, but at the same time, he, he's like, why would they do it? What, what is it in man that would cause somebody to turn or betray or whatever it is and cause them to do that, especially when you've done nothing to them? Now, think about that. God's going, why would they do it? They're just trying to help. Think about that. He, he goes, you say, well, I don't know if God feels it. No, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are, but without sin. Amen. Tempted what? Well, I can tell you, in the <clears throat> last you know, half a year, a little more maybe. I've gone through this stuff. People that were some of my, actually, some of my closest associates. I thought we were friends. And that was one particular group. And there, then there were, and, and, and in the process of things happening, there was no reason for it. But they turned. And literally lied. I mean, outright lied and then I, and I called him on it and said we sat in my office and I recorded it and said why? I said here's what you did why did you do that? and all they did was drop their head and agree they did it they would never give a why and so they also worked for me so I fired them <laughs> right? and believe me it was hard this person was Honestly, probably one of the closest people that I would consider almost a son. There was a point, I'll just be honest with you, there was a point where I was thinking about, okay, when I'm at some point, I need to hand off uh, the, the position of general overseer. This was a person I was going to hand it to. But God revealed character before I did. Still didn't make me feel better. 
I wanted to quit. I told God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm fed up with your kids. I don't want, you know, <laughs> I'm done. I'm serious. I'm just, now, and, and it wasn't just that. Two other people did some things. And then I had life team leaders right there local in Dallas, 10 of them that because I fired that person, they took offense. They didn't like the fact that I fired him. They didn't know that he had already said, told other people he was going to quit in three months. I didn't know that either. Found out later. And so, but they got mad. And so they started trying to pick me apart and, and basically started a mutiny, started a rebellion right there in the church. And because they were life team leaders, each one of them had, you know, five, 10 people in their life teams. We're talking about 10 of them. That's 50 people plus, 50 plus people. And they tried to do this whole thing. And, and the whole time I'm like, Why? these are people that I put into position. Right? Why did I put them there? To help me help the people. That's why they were there. I didn't, they were not my board of directors. They had nothing to say about how we did things. <clears throat> but all of a sudden, because they were life team leaders, they thought they had the right to try to gang up on me and tell me what I had done wrong against these people that I fired. And so now they, that wasn't enough. They sent a letter to me. Well, it wasn't a letter. It was a 30-page document, <laughs> which I didn't read. <laughs> okay. And as soon as I got it, I saw what it was about. And so they had a group text, and I wrote to them and said, yep, just received this. You are all dismissed. I fired them all. Now, they weren't on payroll or anything, but they were life team leaders, and I dismissed them. I said, you will no longer have any uh, activities having to do with the church, the ministry, life teams, nothing. You are dismissed. Why? Because they weren't my board of directors, and their purpose was to help me not to try to change me or get me to do something they wanted. Amen? And so now all this time, I'm still hurt because of this one person. And then there were two more, like I said, that just added on hurt. And I, man, it, I went through it. It was bad. And I told God, I sat down with God. And I started going through everything. And I, I, man, I had all of my, you know, he said, let us reason together. So I sit down with him and I said, you know what? I said, Father, the message is out there. People want it, they can get it. It's out there. I've given out. I put this stuff out. We put it out there where people can get a hold of it. I've gone all over the world. I've done everything I can do. I said, there, there's nothing left undone. I said, they can take this and they can run with it. And I, I'll just go off and, you know, sit in a mountain, up on a mountain somewhere because I love the mountains. And I said, I'll go up there and sit and just write books and write testimonies of things we've seen. I, that, that'll, that'll suit me. That'll be fine. And I'll go through all this stuff, you know, and I'm telling God, and I'm done with this, and this ain't right, and that wasn't right, and how do they... And then, you know, I go in and I get quiet. And then I hear, you done? <laughs> and, and, and I know kind of what's coming next. Right, and <laughs> he said very clearly have I dismissed you and I said no 
He said, then shut your belly aching. Get up. Get back on the field. He said, these people are not doing a good work. He said, you are. Stay busy. Don't come down off the wall. Now, did that make me feel better? No. It did not. You know, it was one of those, yeah, but God, do something with them. You know, that's what I wanted. I was ready to pray some of those dirty, hairy prayers. Yes, Lord, grind their teeth. Yeah, you know, break the bones. I mean, I was ready to go after. I didn't. I had to bless by faith. Why? Because I didn't feel like blessing. I had to choose to do the right thing. And then I walk into my office, and there's this little bitty sign, little, little wooden thing sits on the desk. And God made sure I saw it. It says, when you feel like quitting, remember why you started. So, and I went back, remembering my daughter, remembering the pain that I suffered as a parent, watching her go through the things she did, and then finally even burying her and all the pain that we went through at that time. And then it was 20 years later before we finally really started preaching this. Why? Because those 20 years was us learning and going through and, and looking at the Bible and finding out the things that we had been taught in many ways were just absolutely wrong. And so, and, and the amazing thing is, well, I had to, even the recent thing going on, I, I, God had to work in me. And then it was amazing because literally it was like the moment I decided I, I, I've got to go on. Why? Because kind of, well, even though I felt like the message was out there and there wasn't a whole lot more that needed, I needed to put out. At that point, it was just, I was telling God, I'll, I'll stay as long as I have something that you think I need to share with the people that you can give me. And I'll put out whatever you tell me, I'll put it out. I'll say it. And then all of a sudden, when we started the next seminar we did, the next Dominion Life seminar, was so radically different and stronger that the blessing of God was so clearly on it. And I get done with it, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Father. This is amazing. This, this came out, and, and I'm making notes, and he said, now imagine if you had quit. You would have missed this. And so... We go through these things, and so I want to talk to you just a, a little bit about some of this as we go. Go with me real quick back to 1 Peter. Let's just put some things in perspective. Let me get over there. Well, there we go. 1 Peter. There we go. And we're going to go to chapter 5. Start in verse 1. Well, go back to verse 19 of chapter 4. <laughs> okay, keep laughing. I'll go back to chapter 1. <laughs> now, he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. 
feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Watch, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Now, now understand, humility and being humble is not a, a thing you can necessarily, it's not a thing you put on as a act or a look or something like that. Being humble and submitting to God is submitting yourself to his word and saying what you said about me is true regardless of what other people think and regardless of how sometimes I even feel about myself. Amen. And so I, but I know how I feel. I know what people say, but I will submit to your word. And you said, right. I'm more than a conqueror. You said right. that greater are you that, in me, that, are in, that is in me than he that's in the world. You said, right. and you go through all of those you saids of what he said, which you're going to be hearing when you go through Ephesians. That's my favorite book too. I'll be honest with you, that is my favorite book. And then he says, <clears throat> because God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God's not against exalting you. He just don't want you to exalt yourself. He will exalt you in due time if you humble yourself. Casting. Now, here's how you, one of the ways you humble yourself. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because you cast your care to him because you, you're humbling yourself to him and going, these are yours, you can handle it, I can't. Here, deal with it. Amen. And you cast your cares to him. Too many people let their cares pile up on them. And they walk around with it and it weighs them down and weighs them down. And all these kids, well, but what if that happens? But now, what if they do this? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And, and the enemy just try to load you down. And pretty soon you're walking and you're, and pretty soon you're just like, I'm done. I'm just done. What does that mean? That means that as soon as that care gets on your shoulder, he said he would take the yoke of the enemy off your shoulders. Amen. As soon as that burden starts to get on your shoulders and you start carrying those cares, you need to stop and go, whoa, 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 there's a care here. <laughs> and so I, I got to get rid of that care. And what, what it means is you, you didn't take it to God. It means that you're, and the enemy goes, oh, here's one. Oh, here's another. Oh, he's not going to take that to God. Let's load him up. And he'll pile all that stuff on you. And pretty soon you're just walking around going, oh, this is terrible. And I'll, I'll tell you, I went through the Elijah thing. I did. I went through that whole thing just like he did. God, I'm serving you. Why can't you protect me from this stuff? Why can't you not let this happen? I'm out here. Look at me. I'm, I'm going. I'm doing. I'm doing what you tell me to do. You know, my family's telling me I'm going too much. I need to you know, slow down and rest. And, and I told them, I, I told them very bluntly, if you tell me to slow down, you are not my friend. Why? Because God hadn't said slow down. If anything, I'm trying to run faster than I've ever run before. And so all that means is you haven't taken it to God. You've got to give it to him. And, and you might have to give it to him three or four times. You know, you might have to push it off and it'll try to come back. No, not, take, no, not taking it. Why? Because the enemy, he'll keep trying. He'll keep trying to load you down. And it's not easy. 
And especially whenever somebody is that close to you. Because now you don't know who to trust. And you think, man, if I pour my heart out to somebody else, for all I know, they're going to turn against me and use these things against me. And so you have to be able to give it to God. Just like David after they burned Ziklag. All their wives and children and all their possessions were taken. And here's these mighty men coming in, warriors. And they show up and find their houses burned and all this stuff. And everybody taken captive. And it says, and all these mighty warriors cried until they could not produce any more tears. Mighty men, warriors, men that have have been in the heat of battle and they're crying over this situation. And then they turn around and go, you know what? This is David's fault. And so that's what hurt does. Hurt turns into anger. And so then David wisely separated himself. Why? Because they wanted to kill him. These are warriors. They could do it. And so David separates himself and he said, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Why? Because sometimes you ain't got nobody that'll encourage you. And, and you have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And it's not easy, especially when you got all your emotions just, you know, somebody just sliced them all to pieces. But you got to do it. Why? Because why did you start? See, you have to, you have to look at the scale of things. And sometimes we get very narrow vision. Years ago, I went over to Africa, and when I came back, my family had watched a series of, uh, like a television series called uh, Jericho. And they said, oh, you got to see this. you got to see this show. So I'm going to relax a little bit. So, uh, you know, that sounds like a pretty decent, you know, premise. And it's about basically America going through a nuclear war and how it would be afterwards and that kind of stuff. So, you know, interesting. And they did a really good job of it. And so I'm sitting there, and it's broad daylight, but I'm, I'm going to watch this. So I shut the curtains, and it's dark in there, and I turn this thing on, and I'm watching it. And, man, this thing happens, and it's nuclear and all this stuff, and it goes on with them. And I'm sitting there, and I, and I just binge it. I mean, I'm just like, yep, next one, click, next one, next one. Let's watch this. Because it just draws you in, and I'm just and I'm relaxing. And just, in, now this was probably, what, 2004 or five, somewhere through there. Maybe, maybe wasn't much after that. And so I'm sitting, I mean, I, when you watch it that long, you're there. You know the characters, you know the people, and they're real, right? And I'm sitting there watching this, and then finally I hit the last one, and they never really finished it. They, they left it hanging. And so I'm like, oh, man. And it's like, it, it's like you feel like we got to do something. You know, this, we, we need to prepare. We, and you start to oh, man, this, this is terrible. It's like it already happened. And you have that, just a minute there, you're like, whoa. And then I walk over and the curtains are closed and I open the curtains and it's bright outside and it's beautiful. And, you know, you, the birds are singing and the kids riding by on a bicycle. And, and you're like, oh, that was all a TV program. <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk out and you go back to real life. That's what it is to go through these kind of things. You think, oh, Here's this 10 people that want to crucify you, that you've done nothing but promote them. And you think, that's the end of the world. 
church is going to fall apart. They're going, they actually texted all their life team members and said, we're not going to church next Sunday, so don't go. They told all their people, don't go. And so <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. I'm, you know, I told my cameraman, I said, because uh, everything we do is broadcast live. I said, uh, this morning, I said, I don't know what it's going to be like. And I said, so don't put the camera on the audience. I said, keep it on the platform. Why? Because I didn't know if there's going to be anybody there. I really didn't. I, I wanted, and I didn't want to, you know, a whole bunch of holes in the, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because whenever I walked out there to start preaching, guess what? Place was packed. They had absolutely zero effect. But the devil had playtime in my mind from Thursday to Sunday. Now, that isn't when it all ended. That was just when that thing, when I'm like, okay, that didn't matter. And then started realizing, you know what? Uh, it's funny because instantly, as soon as I got that mail in the package, or in, in the mail, I started getting texts from our leaders all around the world. Why? Because they had sent that to all of them too. Claiming they were doing Matthew 18. And it wasn't because they didn't come back to me. So they didn't follow that process. But they were claiming that so they could seem righteous. But all our leaders started saying, Curry, we know this isn't true. We know that's not you. We know this is not your character. We know that you wouldn't do this. They said, we know you wouldn't even do this as an accident. And they said, we're with you. And I'm like, okay. And so then, but I still had that thing where it was, it shook me. Why? Because you're thinking, why? And then again, God's like, what does it matter? Why? And then Jesus said, didn't I tell you, if they did these things to me, they will do them to you. And you have to remember when they do them to you, they're not doing them to you. They're doing them to me. And vengeance is mine. And I, I like that part. <laughs> Let's be honest with you. Okay. All right. Yeah, you, you go. You go. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just being honest with you, right? And, but it took a while. And, but I'll, I'll tell you when it broke. I'll tell you when that thing happened. When, whenever it broke off me is whenever my wife and I sat down and watched, binge-watched The Chosen. It was amazing. I'm sitting there watching. Like I said last night, I'm watching this thing and start crying. And, you know, my wife pauses and says, what's the matter? And I said, I've watched Jesus do that. And that just reset me. That hit a reset in me. And I realized, you know what? I don't like what these people did, but I can't blame everybody for what this few did. And I can't walk away from everybody because what a few did. And I can't get mad at everybody and I can't quit on everybody because what if I had thought, oh, because I got this letter on Thursday, I'm not going to go preach Sunday. What would happen to that church full of people? You see, so I had to decide that. And, but the thing is, it was like God hit a reset in me. And I didn't even know it all. But all of a sudden, bam, I started loving people again. And... And, and I, I quit looking at what they did. And it's funny because now I can talk about it. I don't even, it doesn't even, I don't even get riled up over it. Why? Because I did have to stop and go, you know what? I bless them. Amen. Right? Now, it's, at first it was by faith because I sure didn't feel like it. But like I said, I, I blessed. And, and I told them, I said, Father, don't, don't let anything happen to them because of what, what this happened, what they did. I, I really don't want them reaping what they sowed. And so, but I went through that and it helped 
a reset. And then all of these things started happening with the Dominion Life Seminars that actually got stronger and all. And we'd done a few before, but it was totally different. And then on the way up here, <laughs> we were driving out of Dallas and coming on up, had to go to Gettysburg. From Gettysburg, well, had a Dominion Life Seminar there. It was a time on like, like no other up to that point. For me, I don't know how it was for you because I don't know how much you already knew or whatever, but for me, this meeting, you know, I hope you were blessed. I, I, you know, I pray you were, but I will tell you, this meeting was for me. Because when I started preaching, both in Gettysburg and in here, it's like I could hear the Father saying, this is who you are. Don't, don't listen to who they said you are. This is who you are. And so we, we've moved forward. But on the way up, see, last year, uh, we, we, we bought an RV. Now, RV to me means retirement vehicle. Okay? That, that's just the way I've always seen them. Right? And so I wasn't all for it. Didn't really want it. Didn't want to drive this thing. Right? And didn't want anything to do with it, really. And it sat there. And, you know, I think we got it last October. And we, we've, I, I drove it home and then drove it to the gas station to fill it back up and then drove it back home. And we haven't taken it anywhere. Hadn't gone out. And I told my wife the other day, I said, if we don't go somewhere in this, I'm selling it. I'm getting rid of it because I don't like useless stuff. And I said, so I'm, I'm, she goes, well, we'll go somewhere. Just figure out, you know, where you want to go. And I'm like, that's not how I work, okay? Not how I think. And then I told one of our other pastors, I said, yeah, I, you know, I may, may end up selling it. He said, well, if you do, let me know. I'll buy it. And I said, I'll sell it to you with the contingency that I get to use it if I ever want to. <laughs> but, and then, and it was strange because I really did not care for it. At the end of, of a day, going somewhere in, in a car, you want to get out of the car? I didn't want to stay in the thing I was driving. Uh, I like to get out, you know, get into a hotel, relax, kind of spread out, you know, just relax and have a different, you know, scenery, you might say. So I couldn't really see me doing this thing. And then on the way up, God started reminding me of 40 years ago, 40 years ago, before anybody knew anything about me, before any, let me tell you, they were not just not asking me to preach. They were asking me not to preach. Okay? I mean, I got the left foot of fellowship from a couple of churches. Okay? It wasn't fun. But I knew back then, and I talked to my wife back then about it, and I told her, I said, I know what my ministry is supposed to be. And I said, it's kind of a John the Baptist thing, where I go out and preach the truth. And go. I had no intention of ever speaking in a church. No intention whatsoever. No desire to, to be honest with you, at that point. And, she's, and I had discussions with a friend of mine, and he said, Curry, that sounds crazy. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go from town to town. We're just going to travel and go from town to town and stop. Wherever I stop, we're going to feed the hungry and pray for the sick and preach the gospel. And then the next day, we'll go to another place. And I'm going to give a call and say, who's coming with me? And he said, Curry, that sounds crazy. He said, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? That doesn't make sense. You're, going to, how, how, you're just going to have a caravan going across, of cars going, going across the country. You're going to look like the circus has come to town. 
I said, I don't know. I said, I just know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's a, you know, where God has directed me. That was 40 years ago. Now, back then, I had all the time in the world. Nobody was asking me to preach. I had all the time you could imagine. I just didn't have any money to go anywhere. <laughs> so I couldn't leave town. I had all the time, just no money. Then you start getting busy and people start calling and start saying, would you come preach? Would you do this? Would you come here? And so then I, I started having money coming in, but I had no time. So you're always between one of those two things. You either got time and no money or money and no time. Why? Because it takes the time to sometimes make the money. And here we are now, 40 years later, 25 plus years or whatever in full-time ministry. And then I realized one day, you know what? I set my own schedule. I, I don't have to do certain things. I can decide when and where. I can decide when we do these things. And then I look out the window and there's an RV. <laughs> and I said, and so, you know, I'm driving up here and right in the middle of it, God reminds me of that 40 years ago. He said, remember that? He said, now you got the time and the money. And I called my wife, and I got so excited. <laughs> I did, because I remembered. And I said, God has brought us. And I said, this is a new phase of ministry that we're moving into. And, I said, and she said, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to get in that RV. I'm going to buy some grills, and like four or five grill type of things. And we're going to buy like a couple of these big ice chests. And we're going to load that RV up. And we're gonna, I'm going to do podcasting things from the RV on the road talking about here's where we're going. Tomorrow night we're going to be in this town and I'll look on the map and I'll find a, a park or something and I'll say we're going to be at this park and we're going to pull up there and pull out the grills and pull out the chest and we're going to feed the hungry and we're going to cook food for them and we're going to pray for them and we're going to just go. And so and, and I, I got so excited about it. And so listen, my wife has never um, my wife and my children all told me, don't start a church. Don't start a church. They said, Dad, you're not a pastor. I said, I know. I said, but we need a place where we can preach this and people can come in and be trained and learn it. And we did, and we've had it for 12 years, and it's, it's grown, and we've, we've, we've been there, and we've helped people all over the world from it. And so I'm not saying I'm not going to be there. I will be there, but it'll be periodic. And so, but they, my wife has never been really involved in the church. And so, but then I started talking about feeding the hungry and clothing people in parks and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden she got excited. Why? Because that's where her heart is. See, her heart has always been, she's one of those, uh, you, you got to, you know, she's got to be a little careful sometimes because she's more of a Martha. Always running around making sure everybody's taken care of and everybody's got everything and all this kind of stuff. And she'll be the one in there cooking. Thank God. And she can cook like you cannot do. <laughs> I'm not telling, I'm, I'm listen. That woman can cook, all right? <laughs> we have a recipe. Her sixth great-grandfather was Sam Houston, okay, which was the president of Texas when it was a country. May God make it so again. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want to come down, get your passport. So, okay. <laughs> but Sam Houston had a Mexican housekeeper that could cook and she had a recipe for enchiladas chicken and beef and that recipe has been passed down 
through the family. And now it's been passed to my wife, who has you know, known it. She got it from her grandmother. And so I'm telling you, I, I have eaten Mexican food all over the world, okay? Never tasted anything like these. I'm telling you, people have asked her for the recipe. She, she's got a recipe. It is amazing. I know you didn't come here to hear about food, but... <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> but now notice... But she got all excited about it when I started talking about that. And, it, and it's funny because I said, do you remember 40 years ago when I said this is what we were going to do? And she said, I remember. And my friend Chuck, we used to argue about this. And so as soon as we get on the road, I'm going to send him an email. <laughs> Why? Because we, I know we're following what God wants. But I had to first get past all that other stuff. And while I'm sitting there and watching Jesus on, on this TV program, I'm like, wow, look how he treats Judas. And he knew all along that it was going to be that way. And he still treated him good. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know what? That's a Jesus I could follow. You know? But so, time, so many times we have more of a religious idea of Jesus. I love what what you said about Jesus not being a religious figure but a political figure. That I'll just let you know I'm stealing that. I'm, just telling you, I'm telling you. I'll give you credit for it for the first few times. Okay. okay. So, but, now, but he says here, and I, I know I need to hurry. But he says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is verse seven. Verse eight. Now notice right in the middle of this, he says, be sober. Sober-minded, be vigilant, be always on guard, because your adversary, the devil, that's your adversary, not people. See, you have to remember that sometimes. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Well, you got to figure out real quick, can he devour you or not? Reminds me of the story where the boy and the bully in school was writing all this stuff down, writing, writing something on paper. He's, he's the known bully. He's writing all this stuff down, and this kid walks over to him and says, what are you doing? Because I'm writing a list of all the people here in school I can beat up. And the boy said, am I on that list? He said, yeah, you're right there. He goes, I'm not on that list. You can't beat me up. And the bully goes, oh, Okay. That's the devil. You just got to let him know. Take me off your list. Take me off your list. But we have to remember sometimes in the heat of battle who's in us. Who he made us to be. So he says, now watch this. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He said, listen, guys, don't forget. You're not going through anything new. See, that, this, this verse has helped me so many times, not just in this situation, but so many other times. Because he said, you're not going through anything that somebody else hadn't already gone through and beat See, it's not just, well, yeah, it makes me feel good. Other people have gone through it too. No. What makes me feel good is they've gone through it and beat it. 
That means you can beat it. If anybody's ever beat it, you can beat it. But you have to decide that you can beat it. You have to decide with his help, and I have his help, we can beat this thing. And, you know, God's not against you pouring your heart out to it. But he can't act on anything that you say that disagrees with his word. So if you're going to pour your heart out, pour it out, but then give him some word so that the angels can get busy. Because the angels are mighty. They excel in strength, hearkening to the voice of the word of God. They hearken to the voice. You're that voice. Speak his word and get the angels busy. Get them working. Get them protecting you. Get all the, and, and get those cares off of you. Right? You're not a good billboard when you're heavy laden and bowed over and beat down. Amen. Why? Because he left us his peace and his joy. Amen. And we have to be examples of that. Amen. So finally, he says, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now that, after you've suffered a while, if you remember in Romans, it tells us that if we suffer with him, we should also reign with him. Isn't that right? So this is what some of the stuff he's talking about. Now, um, Matthew 5, real quick. Matthew chapter 5. And then I just want to give you an example. Matthew chapter 5. If you'll listen just for a few more minutes, we might have something that can help you the rest of your life. I know it has mine. And that's all I do. I just go to God and walk with him. And the things that help me, I just share with you. That, that's how we do this. And then there's times when he says, say things, and I do that, that you know, then I, I listen. When he wants to teach you those things, he says them, I listen, and then it helps me. So sometimes the things I go through can help you. Sometimes some of the things he brings to you actually helps me too. Because that's the way it should be. So in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 10, he says, Rejoice, oh, I'm sorry, that's 12. Blessed are they, well, you can still rejoice, but still, and blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden down underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The reason you're persecuted is because you're salt. It's because you're light. And the evil is trying to put, trying to make your salt less salty. Why? Because it's the salt that sometimes burns people. It hurts them. And they get mad. 
and you're the light of the world. And you got to let your light shine. But let me tell you, darkness doesn't like light. And the Bible is very clear. I mean, think you want to talk betrayal? Look at Jesus. It says in John 1.11, he came to his own and his own received him not. He had to be received by a whole different group that wasn't even his own people. Think about that. That was Jesus saying, guess what? Your own enemies will be those of your own house. Amen? So what do you do? You pray, you bless, you move forward. Let me tell you how to do it. We'll finish up right here. There are two kinds of pilots. Not Pontius pilot. <laughs> Airplane pilots. Okay? There's two kinds. Now, these two kinds, one, it, well, we, could, we could divide different categories, but what we're going to look at real quick is this. There is what is called instrument-rated pilots. And then there's non-instrument-rated pilots. Non-instrument-rated pilots are highly restricted. Instrument-rated pilots are less restricted. Why? Because they know how to operate according to the instruments of their plane. The non-instrument-rated pilots, can, they can't fly at night. They can't fly in bad weather. They, you know, they can't fly in darkness. They can't fly. Why? Because they, they don't go by their gauges, by their instruments. In other words, they have to go almost by line of sight and they have to look ahead and that kind of stuff. Now, here's the thing. If you don't go by your instruments, then when you're looking out, see, you've got to be able to see where you're at. You have to look at landmarks and that kind of stuff. If you can't see out there, the minute you come into clouds, if you can't go by your gauges and your instruments, it takes 90 seconds for, your, for you to become disoriented. 90 seconds. And all of a sudden, you'll think you're flying straight. And in reality, you're flying this way, which also means you're curving off, which also means you're no longer on the path that your flight plan was. Now you're going to end up somewhere else. But an instrument rate, now now get this, the the non-instrument rated pilots can only operate by sight. But the instrument rated, see the instrument rated pilots they have to know their gauges and they have to trust their gauges beyond what they can see out the window. So if they look at their gauges and the gauge says that they're slightly off, they know to alter it even though it may not feel off, but they will go by the gauge, even if it says something different than what they're feeling or seeing. Why? Because they're instrument rated. See, an instrument rated pilot looks at the gauges he doesn't look to the left or the right. That's right. He looks at the gauges. He, now, he could be tempted, and there's times that you can look out. There's times you can see things, and you want to see things, but at the same time, you don't go by what you see. Right. You go by the instruments, and the instruments tells you how high you are, whether you're okay, what's going on, how much fuel you have, all these It's all right there. <laughs> now, when I went to Ukraine first time, this is back in uh, 2013, 2014. Oh. <laughs> Preached all day. Then the minister of finance for the country was dying of cancer. And, so, and he lived in Odessa. We were in Kiev. And so they said, would you go down and pray for him? I'm like, well, you know, afterwards we got to go straight to Poland. So I don't know when we could. They said, let us arrange it. If, you, if we arrange it to get you down there and get back and everything, can you do it? I said, yeah, if you do it, that, yeah, no problem. So they called around, and the 
Ministry of Finance, apparently, uh, found a plane. And so they said, we want you to go out, and we got this plane uh, that they're going to send for you, and we're going to fly you down to Odessa, which is several hours away, even by plane. And they said, you'll go down, you'll pray for him, and then we'll get you back, and you'll be back in time to preach tomorrow. I'm like, okay, so I preached all day at 5 o'clock. We quit, and they said, we got to go straight to the, it wasn't an airport, it was a landing strip. And they said, we could take you straight to the landing strip. This is when the thing with the, the Black Sea and Crimea and all that, whenever Russia was taking all that over. There was war. War was going on at that time. They were, there was a shooting war going on right there near Odessa. And so they said, we're going to fly you down. And so they said, we got to get to the landing strip, get you on the plane. Okay. Well, the daughter of the minister of finance was the one that came up and asked for us to go down. So she was there, and she was, she was going to be on the plane with us. And there was about four or five, five, four or five of us there, I guess two, four, six, six of us that's total. And so, on the, and it was a little plane. You know, the, the planes that the wings do this when you're flying, okay? <laughs> it's, it's like, that, that's the plane we're running. It was a small plane. And so they, we have to go out there. And I'm, saying, I'm looking at a field with grass. It doesn't look like a landing strip. And it was in a sports place. And there were some cattle in the field, right? And so I'm, look, I'm like, are we in the right place? Are you sure this is it? I mean, this doesn't look like an airport or land, nothing. And they said, yeah, yeah. And here in a little while, we hear this engine, you know, come putting in. And so this thing lands and it's bouncing all over the place. And I'm like, this is what we're flying in right here. Okay. So we get in this thing and me and this young lady, we're the smallest people there. So they stick us in the very back because the, the tail of the plane goes this way. Right. And so we're, I'm, you know, she's sitting there. And so I have to sit like this because you don't want to, you know, it's awkward, you know. So I'm trying to be as small as I can in the very back of the plane, and it's not comfortable, and it's going to be several hours flying. And so we take off, and we're flying, and now this is already 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, it's about 6.30, almost 7 o'clock, starting to get dark. They're flying along. It's getting dark, and I'm like, I'm, you know, been, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be up a good portion of the night, so I'm, I'm just going to try to go to sleep. And I sit back and go to sleep, and in a few minutes, I'm hearing something. I mean, just like that, and I'm like, so I wake up and I look around. It's dark. It's storming. There's rain. Everything's hitting. You can't see outside the windows. I mean, you just, that's it. So I, I look at it and I look at the front and right there is the pilot and the co-pilot. And the co-pilot has a flashlight <laughs> shining on the, on the dash, on the instrument panel. He's shining. And the, the pilot actually has a screwdriver and he's tapping on the gauges. Uh. So I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and I just open my eyes, and I'm like, well, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to go back to sleep, and if I open my eyes and see Jesus, I won. You know, that's just the way I feel. So, so we fly on, and they said, well, we can't use any lights because they'll see us, and this is, they'll shoot you down. Because we were coming from Kiev, and they knew we were coming. And they said, so if they see us, we have to kind of come in in a way. So we had to come in low with no lights, and we're flying in, and you're seeing houses, and you're almost looking even with them, right? And so we're flying in. Finally, we land. We go over to this man's house. It's late, almost midnight. We pray for this man, uh, Minister of Finance. He gives me some, uh, some, uh, some books he wrote, which is in Ukrainian, which I don't read, but he gave them to me anyway. And so then we go back, and we're supposed to head right back out. And they said, no, they invoked this rule that a plane has to be on the ground so long before it can take off again. So now here we are, 2 o'clock in the morning, 
sitting at a restaurant uh, that, that's open, a little diner out on the street, and we're waiting, and they're refueling. And then this guy calls and says, well, well isn't there some other fuel you could use? And I'm, I'm listening, but acting like I'm not. And he said, well, see what you can scrounge up. And I'm like, oh, none of this is building faith and confidence in me. You know? And so we're sitting there a while. And then finally they said, uh, okay, well, we can go now. The plane is, has been released and we can fly out. And I said, so I, I assume they found fuel. And he said, oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So we get there and they didn't find, they didn't fill it up, but they found what they said was enough to get us back. And so we, here we get on the plane. It's now it's like three in the morning. We, we fly back. We land at about seven in the morning. And then they're all waiting at the, the, the team and everybody, our host, is waiting there for us. So I get out of this. The plane puts us in a car. Then the car goes to the hotel. I show up at the hotel. Been awake most of the night. And they said, all right, well, we're here to pick you up. And I'm like, okay, I need to run to the room and get my stuff. So I ran up. Didn't even get a chance to change clothes. Come right back down, carrying my, 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 the bag that I carried with me. And so I get back in, go back in, preach another day till 5 o'clock that night. Then that's the night, because we didn't know this was going to be an emergency. That's the night that all of the leaders come in from all over, well, from Russia, um, you, you name it, all over the place. And they all came in that I was supposed to speak to leaders because the church we're associated with has 800 churches that they oversee. And so now they've associated with us. So now they're bringing the teaching, the Bible school and everything out into these 800 churches. And so I'm meeting with these leaders. And here I've been awake, you know, almost 48 hours. And so I'm, I'm there. But I, I, you do what you do. Why? It's, you don't always get to choose your battles. You don't always get to choose your circumstances. So you just have to expect that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you have to invoke that and be able to do it. Amen? Now, so again, trying, trying to hurry. Okay, let me, let me just read this to be faster than if I talk about it. Uh, instrument rated, non-instrument rated. Yes. Uh, non-instrument rated means fly by sight. Okay? In Christian terms, that would mean carnal. Because you can only fly by sight. But now, notice, instrument rated, they don't fly by sight. They fly by faith in their instruments. You got that? You fly by the instruments on your instrument panel. You don't look to the left or the right. You keep looking straight ahead at the instrument panel. You don't fly by sight. You fly by faith in your instruments. Now, non-instrument rated can only fly when the weather's clear. I've already said this to you, but no storms, no night, no darkness. They cannot fly by faith. They only fly by sight. So they are carnal, sense-ruled. Now, instrument rated. You must know and trust your instruments. Now, the instrument rated pilot knows his eyes can and will deceive him. They have to know that, right? 90 seconds flying by sight, you can get disoriented. Now, what is that telling us? What is our instrument? This is it. Now, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He, what is he going to teach you to do? How to fly instrument rated. He's going to teach you how to fly by the book. You got that? Now, the book knows. What's in the book is the way you have to fly. So you have to fly according to the book. So to be instrument rated, 
You have to look at what the book says. Now, here's the thing. You have to know what the book says. And if you have a misunderstanding of the book, it can kill you. Do you understand? If you think that gauge is supposed to be one thing and it's supposed to be something else, you could die. That's how serious. Now, is it the aircraft's manufacturer's fault if you die? No. Why? Because the aircraft manufacturer produced a manual that you're supposed to know before you fly. Does that make sense? Well, guess what? Our manufacturer created the manual. So just read the manual. Now, I know us men, we never read the instructions. You know? Wait, well, I can figure it out. How's that working out for you? Well, it'll get you killed. It can get your family killed. You can't figure it out. You just have to know what the instrument says. See, the instrument says, by his stripes, you were healed. So you can't say, well, I don't feel healed. No, see, now you're not instrument rated. Now you're non-instrument rated. Why? Because you're not going by the instruments. But, but, but here's what I think. Here, here's how I think God thinks about this. Okay, I can tell you right now. Nobody cares what you think God says, especially the devil. The devil loves it when you think you know what God says whenever you quote it and it's not what God said. See, the devil loves it because then he knows you don't know the instrument manual. Uh, manual. See, you've got to be instrument rated. You've got to move from going by sight and going by feeling, even religious feeling, even the good, fuzzy, warm feelings that you can have at times with God. That can't be your guide. Your guide is, it is written. Go back and read Psalm 119. Everything in there is about the book, about the book, the book, the book, your word, your commandments, all these things, all the way through. We have to realize this is the answer of how to live your life. Not based on what you think about God, but based on what God has actually said about himself. Now, I will tell you, you will not find anything in here about salvation or healing or prosperity or anything else in there that is based on an if based on God. The if is based on you. If you will observe to do all these things then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Nothing in there if about God. God, There is no if in God. He's already said, this is the way it is. Now we could, you know, we can invoke God's sovereignty in this, but we have to realize God's sovereignty wrote this book. So God put his name on this book. So this book is the way it is. This is the sovereignty of God. Do you understand that? God is not fickle. Amen. He's not saying, and you get it, and you get it. He, he's not Oprah. Right? Yeah. And you get it. And No, not you. I don't like you. And you get it. And you, that's not God. God is not a respecter of persons. What he said, now he is a respecter of faith. And like Wigglesworth said, if you will have faith in God, God will jump over a thousand people just to get to you. See, if you, he says, if when you're in a place where you have nothing to lean on but God, he goes, oh, you're in a wonderful place. But the problem is too often we make him our last resort rather than our first resort. Amen.
Now, very quickly, on the way, when I was in Gettysburg, God pointed out some things. And I thought it was for the conference, but it's funny because I realized, even last night, I realized that wasn't for the conference. That was for, because what I put it under was White Sulphur Springs. So the things that we talked about, those, those three things, uh, that's for you guys. That wasn't for really a lot of the visitors and that kind of stuff. It was for here, White Sulphur Springs. So I'm going to make this real quick and easy, right? If you have been battling or dealing with or under attack in these areas that I'm fixing to mention, I, I, listen, I'm not going to make this some emotional thing. Pull, no, I'm going to tell you real quick, make a decision to come down front. And those three things, this is what God gave me when I was in Gettysburg. He said, if there's going to be people there, and this isn't just normal little things. This is like, I mean, there's pressure there. Serious. This is serious stuff. If you have been under serious uh, pressure of fear in any form, come down front. Do it quick. Do it now. I'm not going to wait long. If you've been under serious oppression of hopelessness, like it's just no, nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to give up. I just, and, and what I mean by that is you feel like I, I'm going to give up. I, I know I shouldn't, but I just feel like I'm going to give up because I got to quit because there's just no hope. There's no way this can turn out a different way. I want you to come down front real quick. And then also at the same time, if you have been dealing, if the enemy has been attacking, listen, this is not you. I'm, you got to understand when I say this, this has no stigma to it, Amen. right? This is an attack of the enemy. He's trying to take you out. If you have considered suicide, get down here quick. Get down here quick. If there has been any attack on your mind to commit suicide or anything like that, come down front now quick. Please understand, this is life or death for you. Why? Because you're under attack by the enemy. And we have to be sober and vigilant and know that the devil is our adversary and it's him. Those thoughts you've been having are not your thoughts. Those are things he has been shooting into your mind to get you to agree with him and end it. Why? Because you are that close to the breakthrough you've been waiting for. And he wants to make sure you don't get there. So if that is you, come quick. Come quick. Not going to take long because you know it's you and you know this is serious. And so we're not going to take a lot of time for it. But understand also, this is not about emotion. Right? These are things that are going on. Anybody else? We're going we're to close it. Now, once I say that's it, nobody else comes. If we have ushers here to watch, once we close it, don't let them come down because that's it. Right? Because if you're not serious, we can't be serious. But if you're serious, you better know I'm serious. And so that's why we do it this way. Because you have to make that decision. Today, this is going to end. And that's why God gave me. If God hadn't given me that, if God gave me that like we just said it, then it's because today is the day it ends. Yeah. Amen? No if. No if. Simple as that. Amen? All right? So anyone else? Anyone else? Make it quick. Any of these things that we've mentioned, fear, hopelessness, suicide, any of these things, come quick. Okay? Now we're going to, I'm fixing to close it, but if you want to come, come quick. I, I don't want to close it before that last person comes because this is life or death. All right, is everybody here? All right. So the rest of you are saying, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, those things you mentioned, that's, that's not been a thing with me. 
Everybody else is good, right? All right, so then right now, we're, we're, we're going to stop the invitation. Those of you that have come, you have answered the invitation, right? Jesus gave a parable about a king, basically, that gave an invitation. And the people he wanted to come didn't, so he invited everybody else. Isn't that right? Well, guess what? You're, you're not only the ones he wanted to come, but you're also everybody else. Amen? And so you get the benefits of the banquet. And so right now, now listen, we're going to do this very simply because all three of these things are demonic. So we're going to speak, we're going to command, and the spirits are going to obey. It's that simple. See, you, you have to know, when, when a son of God speaks, heaven hears and agrees, hell hears and obeys. That's the way it works, all right? So right now, You've come down. You've, by doing that, you're saying, I want to be free. I don't want this anymore in my life. Is that correct? All right. Then say this with me. Father, Father your, word true. your word is true. You have revealed, you have revealed these, situations. these situations. I want them out of my life. I've answered your call. So I expect to be made free. And I receive my freedom. In the name of Jesus. And because of his finished work, of his finished work that, I say, that I say, I receive my freedom, receive my freedom. in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, that's all you have to do. Now, I'm going to do my part. So, all you have to do now is just be ready to be free. Amen? Amen. So, right now, in the name of Jesus, right now, every demonic spirit, every demonic entity, every demonic influence, every spirit of fear, right now, in the name of Jesus. Spirits of hopelessness, depression. Yep, there we go. Even of suicidal thoughts. Right now, these spirits, I command you, you, you are under the sound of my voice and you will hear and obey the voice of the Word of God. According to the Word of God, spirits, I command you, I speak to you now and I say, in Jesus' name, you will leave these people and you will leave them now. You have no place here. You will not remain here. And in the name of Jesus right now. Now before I give this last command, I also remind you spirits, there will be no manifestations. This ain't your show. This is Jesus' show. So you will just leave. You will leave politely and quietly, but you will leave. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So in the name of Jesus right now, Right now, I'm going to count to three and every demonic spirit, you are going to hear, obey, and go in the name of Jesus. Right now. One. Two. Three. Go! Now! In Jesus' name. Right now. Completely free. Completely free. Right now. Every spirit, you will leave and go now. And I do not mean maybe. This is the way it will be today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, in Jesus' name, right now, right now, I set you free. Right now, completely free. That enemy's power has been broken. His hold on you has been broken. And even now, right now, you can take a deep breath and know for the first time you are free of these things and we forbid them to return in Jesus' name. Right now, completely free in the name of Jesus. Amen?
Now, do those of you here, do you agree? Yes. Right now, I'm going to ask you a real quick question. How many of you can tell right now something's different? Yes. Right now, right yes. now, right now. You're free, lighter, all that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, if you are from this area, then I, I, I'm, I'm asking you with everything in me, please connect with Pastor Chad, with the team here, because we don't want you to, to just go back and go, okay, and then the enemy, you know, try to tempt you to go back into those things. We want to be able to help you, work with you, and, and actually teach you how to stay free. Amen? So before you leave, please connect with some of the leadership that is here. Amen? But now in the name of Jesus, I pronounce upon you the blessing of God. And that blessing includes freedom, peace, joy. That in the name of Jesus, right now, you can know you are clean, cleansed, and free in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We bless these, your people. We bless them. And by your spirit, we say, even now, overflow them with your spirit. Fill them, overflow them. And in the name of Jesus, lead, obviously, and guide into all truth. That, Father, they may remain free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. So we bless you. And we say, be blessed in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. 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 Now, uh, Pastor Chad, if you want, uh, if you have a place that they could go, that'd be good. If not, you know, just connect with them. But if you want to let them know, okay? So, um, yeah. The rest of you? Yes. Oh, amen. The rest, uh, to the rest of you, of course, I say blessings to you. And I tell you, in the name of Jesus, you have been blessed. Now just walk with him, talk with him, fellowship with him, and let those blessings flow through your life. He wants to bless you. We have a covenant better than the old covenant. And under the old covenant, blessings overtook you. You couldn't even outrun them. Now guess what? We've got even a better covenant because they're not out there. They have already been released into you to be released out of you. And now the blessings are yours. Amen? So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Chad. Amen. Can we let Curry Blake know how much we appreciate his ministry? God bless you. Amen. Thank you, sir. We'll ask some of my team members that work with Compass and maybe uh, small group leaders, just some people that um, may be able to help some of those that responded to the altar call. If you would, um, let's set up at the back table, back left of the room, and anybody that would need additional ministry or a conversation, I want to have our team prepared to meet with you. Um, so thankful for all that God did over the, this past week and, and specifically last night and even this morning. Can we give Jesus just a praise of thanksgiving for all that he's done? How many are glad you came to church today? Amen. So glad that you came. We're going to let this be our dismissal. Shake hands, high-five some people, hug some necks. Have an incredible day. We hope to see you next Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.